Blog Talk Radio. Two new albums today, Hot Blues and Tejano Spanish Songs from Patricia Vaughn, plus Sepia Tone Folk Rock from Andy Seidel. Stay tuned, it's Music Friday Live. California, the music capital of America. It's Music Friday Live, and I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. These guests are here to talk with you. So you can call in 347-215-7511, or you can email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. I want to welcome all of our listeners on the Block Talk Radio Network and on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates who will be hearing us on the East Coast later tonight. And also everyone listening to us on Stitcher and on iTunes, the podcast is on iTunes, and everybody listening to us in the United Kingdom who's not obsessed with the wedding, or maybe they are and they're listening to us anyway, on the Artistica Echoes Network. If you have questions or comments of our guests, call us 347-215-7511, or you can email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. If you're listening to, to us on a podcast or if you're listening in England, you can still email your questions to our guest, and we will forward them to them so they can reply directly to you. Well, you know, it's hard to, to know where to start in introducing our first guest. She's a woman who seemingly can do anything, and when it comes to entertainment, she does everything. And all of it, she does it at the pinnacle of perfection, which is maybe why Patricia Vaughn's forthcoming album is called Top of the Mountain, because that's where she is. A singer, a songwriter, an actress, a filmmaker, an activist, an entrepreneur, a band leader who can combine lyrics and guitar riffs and and castanets in one-of-a-kind excitement and then make award-winning videos about it. It's a pleasure and an honor, and I think a bit intimidating, to welcome Patricia Vaughn to Music Friday Live. Patricia, welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be speaking to you and to your fans. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Wow. I, I, you know, it's a good thing this is radio because otherwise people could see me blush. <laughs> well, they won't see me tearing up either. <laughs> what <did you> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow, I feel like Princess Megan today. <laughs> oh, you're right. Although I don't think she blushes much. Right? Oh, my gosh. Um, Patricia, uh, uh, there is so much to talk about, but I, I really want to hear about the new album, The Top of the Mountain, which is due out next week, I believe. Um, this yes. is your seventh album. Is this a departure for you, or do you see it as another step in your evolution, or do you think you're pretty much fully evolved now and you're just out demonstrating that? Wow, you know, I think this is, I've definitely reached Mike on this one. I got to have amazing co-writes with some of my favorite friends and musicians. Um, I, I use greater landscapes with this, and I, I dig deeper vocally. I use different producers this time rather than um, my my friend Carl, who produced every other album, all six albums. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, feel like I've reached the top of the mountain with this one. I'm so proud of it. And uh, the musicianship on this album as well um, is stellar. So, Well, I have to agree with everything you said. And 
Before we go any farther, let's give our audience an opportunity to see why everything you said is true. Citadel, and um, in that you sing about a long, hard road. Um, has it been a long, hard road to this album and to this point in your career? I think as a musician, it's always a long, hard road to get the album done, you know, and finance. As, as an independent artist, I have to say, that's what I am. Um, but you know what? If it's not fun anymore, why do it? And it's always been a learning experience and so much fun. Um, to do and then take it out on the road um, to share it with the fans. The, the song Citadel, though, is, is about blazing your own trail and taking a stand and using your voice to stand up to what's right, you know, especially now, right now in this day and age when we're living in such dark times. I really felt it was a strong song um, with a message to set the tone for the album. And it's about ruling your citadel, you know, having a fortress, having boundaries, but really standing up, knowing when to stand up and be vocal for what's right and what's wrong. Well, you mentioned we're living in dark times now. I, I wonder, have these songs been in your head for a while, or has the current situation, however you want to define it, sort of prompted them? Um, you know, I started with, Top of the Mountain as the impetus for the album, and it was about the struggle with a, a disease of muscular dystrophy. A good friend of mine lost a long battle with that, and really made me, you know, I mean, you're always, you always know to be grateful in life, but when you have a friend that you see struggles day to day, moment to moment, um, towards the end of his life, he couldn't even feed himself, you know, with his, you know, couldn't even put a fork to his mouth. That, that is something, conversations we had together on the phone that really formed this album and made me want to make an album with this. And he loved mountains. He loved dragons. You know, every conversation we had, he would say, I'm going to look the dragon in the eye. I'm going to beat this. I'm not going to let this get me down. And to think of the, the small things that we um, sweat in life, you know, he was always a beacon for me to keep going with my music. And, um, you know, what a message for the world on an album to have. So that had to be his song, Top of the Mountain, from Vincent, you know. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're celebrating that message um, uh, and this album with three CD release parties, one in Austin, one in San Antonio, and one in Houston. And uh, you're being joined there with your um, your co-writer. You want to tell me about that, Joe? Oh, um, well, I'm going to be with the full band on all the uh, CD release parties. Um, it's Scott Garber on bass, uh, Hector Munoz on drums, 
Gaby Corrales on violin, um, and Jorge Arada on guitar, and in Houston Continental to be uh, Rick Del Castillo, my producer on guitar. Um, but yeah, this album is a celebration. It's the triumph of the human spirit, really. And everyone goes through their dark valley, you know, and I just wanted this to be a very profoundly positive message that you will get through it with the knowing that there's a higher power and, you know, sometimes you just have to jump off the cliff into the unknown, believing that God has a plan, you know. Well, I want to play another song from the album, one that uh, also has a video, both of which are a lot of fun, and uh, I think has that message in it. Here we go. This is Lobo. Okay. Tell me that things have changed. Along the way from your wedding ring. Blinded by a love so frightful. Come on in a lobo, throw a line, don't let go. That is so much fun. <laughs> All right. and Jokey Carrasco. Patrick, forgive me. Yes, the co-writer on that song, because I have four co-writes on the album with other artists um, that went over my head. Forgive me. Yes, Jokey Carrasco. No, no, Carrasco. that's quite all right. And that's him in the, in, in the video, too, right? Yes, yes. And uh, that's my version. He recorded his version, which is the music video. We just had to do two versions because we had so much fun. Um, and that song is about the challenges of dating in this online age. I mean, you know, you got to watch out for wolves. And we had that conversation. Um, I mean, really, with everyone's texting nowadays. And it's just what, what happened to conversations, you know, and all those questions on online dating. It just, it just makes you want to turn into a wolf and howl at the moon. It just can be frustrating um, on both sides in many levels. So that's what that song was about. So we had fun with it. We had fun with it. And we shot that video at his home right outside of Austin. We shot it in three hours. Uh, my wow. brother Marcel directed it, and I got to edit it from finishing. As you can tell, I was like a kid in a candy shop. So much well, fun. The, uh, the song is about the dating scene today online, but ironically, yes. and, and it reminds me of the border radio I listened to in my in my car radio when I was in high school, and all the dating was done in your car. Aha! <laughs> Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, he joking. He's just—he always gives two hundred percent on stage, and in person, he's so ebullient. You know, what you see in the video is what you get in person. He's such a well, fun, it's always videos, a fun show. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking. Speaking of videos, uh, you won the best award for animation at the Madrid Film Festival for uh, Huerta de uh, San Vicente. San Vicente, yes. 
a beautiful, like. beautiful short video. And you also got an excellent nod in the San Francisco New Concept Film Festival. So did you do the whole yes. thing, um, that the entire video yourself? It was my third animation. My second animation, Paris Trance, I did from everything on my own. Um, original illustrations, shot and edited music, lyrics. On Huerta de San Vicente, which is about the one of the greatest poets of the 20th century, Federico mm-hmm. Garcia Lorca, mm-hmm. um, I collaborated with illustrator Michael Martin, who drew his portrait, and I drew everything else, the, the flamenco dancers and the, you know, uh, the backgrounds and, um, you know, the illustration parts, the script, everything else I did the illustrations for and, um, and shot and edited it stop, using old school stop motion photography. So it took about a year to make shot by shot wow. with all the love in the world. And it was just really celebrating his life and his contribution to the world as a, as a poet, a theater director, so, so many things. Um, and he died senselessly during the Spanish Civil War with Franco's regime. So it's just a way of keeping his spirit alive. And I felt like he was saying, hey, thanks for keeping my come to Madrid. I'll make sure you win. <laughs> I mean, it was you know, so we, we have a we have a saying here in the studio. Actually, it's a little plaque up in the studio that uh, that reads uh, poetry's not dead. We just call it lyrics now and it's all around us. And uh, I think you just did that. You just did the, the video version of that. Let me remind our audience that uh, we're talking with Patricia Vaughn about her new album, Top of the Mountain, and you can talk with her, too. Oh, oh some back we're getting emails already. You can talk with her, you can call in, or you can email us, uh, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Let's, let's, let's do a couple of emails here. Um, Marble, uh, I think that's Marble, not Marble, but Marble from San Francisco wants to know, what kind of guitars do you have? I have a J45. I have a Stevie Ray Vaughan signature Stratocaster that I Ooh. I play live and on the new album. So I have those two guitars. Um, and I have to say, on this album, I play lead on the instrumental um, called Western Blood with that Stratocaster. Mm-hmm. And it's with my hero, Stephen Medina, from the band The Crusados from East L.A., man. They, they were my favorite band on the planet. And um, they went into, they, they're now known as Tito and Tarantula, and they scored yeah. all of my brother's films, Desperado, from Dust Till Dawn. They inspired my brother's films majorly and my music. So to have a co-write with him on this album and to play lead, like an honorary crusado, was a dream come true for me. So I'm playing that strat. Okay. <laughs> um, Regina, Regina in L.A. wants to know, do you ever come to L.A.? <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't have plans right now. I mean, it's so hard as an indie artist. Um, it's all me, you know. I mean, if hey, I'll come and play your private party. Hire me. <laughs> okay. It would right. be so great to do that. I mean, I would love to. If anything changes, you can always go to my website, patriciavon.com. All the dates are up there. And, you know, magic okay. does happen when you put it out to the universe. Thank you, Regina. Uh, Let's put it out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cartone in uh, Seattle wants to know, how do you classify your music? Is it rock or blues or Mexican? And, of course, it's not Mexican. It's, it's all of those. Latin. Yeah, all of all <laughs> the above. You, okay. I would say it's um, rock. It's definitely border rock. It's like Texas-influenced roots rock, you know, with, um, with a south-of-the-border flavor. That's how I've always liked to kind of classify it because um, it's in both languages. All, all my albums are bilingual. 
So I would say Texas Rock, you know, if you've got that in Okay. Um, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned earlier that, that you're an independent artist uh, and you released Top of the Mountain on, I think it's a uh, Bandolero Records. Is that correct? Yeah, Bandolera. Yeah, I mean, female and, bandit. Yeah. It's, oh, Bandolera. Thank you. Of course. It's uh-huh. um, hey. yeah. Estudio Espanol, uh, so I should know, I should catch those things. Um, is that your own album? It's that, my own label, own yeah. Label? It's my own label, and I also have Bandolera Productions for my music videos. I really want to raise the bar after this album and really concentrate on more production. I've seven albums worth of songs that really need visual. I, I've always loved that cinematic sweep with my songs to really put a visual for my, for my fans. And okay. um, so, yeah, I look forward to more of that for sure. Um, and I noticed that, that in addition to being a entrepreneur and having your own label, you also are an activist. You're involved with uh, human rights and fighting trafficking. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. And I, be- I believe you, you were in a, involved in a performance last year at the UN, weren't you? I sure did. What an honor that was in the, the United Nations headquarters in New York City, um, which ironically, that's where I started my band back in 1998 was in New York. Um, with Transplants in Texas, yeah, and um, I wrote this song called Missing Women back in, it was on an album, Firebird, in 2007, and it was for the families of the missing women in Juarez, Mexico, um, and it, it got picked up for this compilation album um, about, you know, trying to stop human trafficking, so that song has gone a long way and with a strong message um, so yes, they asked me to perform that song at the UN, and um, any time I can help out to get the, the message out there um, about causes that are important to me, I would love to do that, and I would love to do more of that with my music. Okay. Well, we've been talking about the new album, Top of the Mountain, but we haven't played the title song yet, so let's play the title song. Here it is, Top of the Mountain. Now, that sounds like a song against tra- trafficking and a lot else. Uh, that seems to be the kind of song that, that rolls a lot of experience and feeling into a few tight lines. Where did that come okay. from? Okay. That was about my friend Vincent that 
fought a long battle with muscular dystrophy that was trapped in his wheelchair for all his life and couldn't move. Um, mm. And um, so the shackles, it's, it's the conversations we had, he said, people can never understand the pain I'm going through. It's a pain they will never understand. Um, and so when Robert LaRoche, my co-writing partner um, on for the songs on the album, he brought the music to me and a couple, the first few lines that that echoed what Vincent told me. And I said, well, the only person that knows about this pain is, is that I know of, that we can actually sing about, is our friend Vincent. Um, and so that's what the song is 100% about, is um, his defiance, you know, his always never complaining about the pain when we would see him. He'd always say, music is a healer. I'm here to hear your music. Thank you for your music. This is healing me. And so towards the end of his life, he we did have those conversations about him you know, just being trapped in his body. Um, so really, I wanted to use that for myself to, as, a, as a reminder to be grateful for my health, be grateful for my life, for my family, um, and to take each day at a time. Wow, and, uh, that's quite in, a In the spirit of Vincent. I mean, wow. really, I mean, he, he'd come to nearly every show. I still keep in touch with his mom. I go out with, to lunch with her when I can and just celebrating his, his memory. Um, well, and he was he was also an activist also. I mean, he he was in a wheelchair for most of his life, Patrick, but I have to say he stood taller than most people, if you know wow. what I mean. You know? That, that's, a, that's a wonderful picture, and, and uh, it just, again, demonstrates that uh, your use of words and images is uh, superb. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, well, thank you. You, uh, you mentioned family, and uh, I understand that you're a ninth-generation Tahana, uh, which Take for care. our listeners who don't know, that's a descendant of the of an original Spanish family that settled in what is now Texas, when it was still Spain. Uh, is yes. that where your your Spanish musical influence comes from? Because you you seem to really smoothly integrate both Mexicano and España cultures in in your music and your writing. Yes, you know I'm I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and I have to say that city has always harvested a hybrid mix of sounds and flavors, you know. Um, it's a cultural melting pot, um, and it always inspired my music. Um, the caliber of musicians that come out of San Antonio and knowing what their, their music is so diverse, like Charlie Sexton, Steve Earle, Rosie Flores, Blanco Jimenez, The Last Bandoleros that are now on tour with Stain. Um, I mean, Tishina Hosa. I mean, we're all from San Antonio, and just we're all so diverse. Um, and also, on my father's, my father's from the Valley, from Rio Grande City, Texas, and my mom's from El Paso. But our ancestry is from Mexico and Spain. So I've always loved to incorporate those cultures, like a cultural collision in the music, and which really makes it a, a cinematic in ways, um, just bigger. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to say being from San Antonio, uh, one of ten children, my parents would always invite the mariachis over to our house <laughs> for any celebration, birthday, anniversary, let's have a family reunion. Um, that was always um, like my first musical connection to my heritage was just watching these mariachis perform live. And ironically, you know, my brother made his first 
theatrically released film called El Mariachi. So <laughs> it was Ooh. a big influence. <laughs> well, speaking of your brother, uh, we we got an email in while you were talking. Uh, this is from um, Reardon in Austin who who says, brother in film, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Tell us more. Yes. Being one of 10 children, money was always tight. So to make his first film, he donated his body to science at Pharmaco in Austin, Texas, and was a lab rat, and um, raised money to make that first film, El Mariachi, which is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the uh, least expensive film to be released theatrically. Um, Again, what to do, how far will you go for your passion in life? How far will you go for your art? You know, um, and my brother went all the way, and I'm so proud of him. And he works and lives here in Austin, um, and he has his own studio here, Troublemaker Studios, and he's a do-it-yourself guy, has always been, and that has always inspired me to do it myself with music. Um, and it can be a struggle at times, mostly financially, but, um, you know, I did a crowdfunding on this album to help pay for studio costs, and um, I'm just going to keep pushing it up the mountain and and we did it we really did it we reached the goal and i was able to make you know it it paid for the studio time but out of pocket the rest is you know pr manufacturing and three new completed music videos for my for my fans and i'm so happy i made that mark i was like i'm going to do that before the release date (laughs) and the release date is next week (laughs) so we did it you know and he's he's proud of me too and it's that family camaraderie and family support, um, and I'm and I did it, and I'm so proud to be a sister, and I'm proud of him wow. for all his that, accomplishments. That's that's a, that's a great great story. Um, it, something else about your music that I find just really wonderful is that uh, you switch back and forth in languages uh, so nicely, and. Uh, Mi español es no suficiente para entrevista, but uh, I understand. And uh, muy bien. Of course. Of course, in, in Los Angeles, uh, you're sort of surround. This used to be Mexico, like Texas did, so you're surrounded by Spanish quite a bit, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I was actually at a, a concert last night uh, with the, the Marias, um, and uh, they did the same thing. Uh, the music was in Spanish, and all the conversation with the audience was in English, and everybody was uh, happy. Well, we're um, we're we, we're running out of time here, and uh, we could talk for hours. Uh, we have just one more song, and I really do want to play it in good Spanish. Right, uh, Madre okay. de Perla. Here we go. Yay. Madre, madre de Perla. Madre mía, madre de Dios, madre, madre de perla, madre mía, te adoro. Dios me ha bendecido con un ángel de la guarda. It's a good thing I've got a, a long, flexible cord on my uh, headphones because I'm up, I'm standing up and sort of dancing around here. 
Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> That's a tribute to your mom, I understand. Um, it did, certainly did she, is. Did she play a role in your, your artistic or your musical career? Oh, my gosh, yes, both of my parents. I mean, really quick, um, my, my mother loved to play Spanish guitar and teach us our second language through music, which was the mariachi songs, um, the Mexican folk songs, you know. Um, and she'd have us all harmonize she taught us harmonies you know together and um, that was a huge childhood memory that sparked um, my bilingual albums and me writing she always said the power is in the songwriter if you can write your own songs you'll have longevity and I'm so glad I listened to my mom and um, you know I, I always wanted to write a song for her and it made it onto this album, but she penetrates every every song I ever make. So all my songs oh. are for my mom. <laughs> but this wow. one has a stamp. It's mother mother of pearl. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, which is too bad because I wanted to play Tidal Wave. Uh, but folks are just going to have to get the album next week, yes. uh, and I understand and they can, can pre-order it too. So yeah, where do they go to pre-order? You can okay. go pre-order on my website, and you guys, thank you for listening. And you can watch all the music videos, including Tidal Wave, on my website, patriciavon.com, V-O-N-N-E. Thank you for listening, y'all. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, and um, when you do tour next time, when you get out of Texas, because I know you have dates coming up in Texas, let us know if you're coming to California, because I'd love to see you live. I certainly will. Okay. Gracias, amigo. Gracias por todo. Um, muchas gracias, muchas gracias. Uh, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for this album. Orale. Hey, we're going to have to take a break right now, and we're going to have to go to Mexico, believe it or not, so we'll be right back. Don't go away. Just two hours south of the California border lies the enchanting seaside town of San Felipe, Baja California, where friendly people, warm waters, and a relaxing vacation awaits. And it all starts at www.mysanfelipevacation.com. Whether you choose to golf on the 18-hole championship course overlooking the Sea of Cortez with friends, enjoy a romantic weekend for two on the beach, or take the whole family for a fun-filled weekend of shopping and activities, you'll be sure to find just the right accommodations at mysanfelipevacation.com. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you got away? Visit www.mysanfelipevacation.com today. That's www.mysanfelipevacation.com. See you in San Felipe. And we will see you in San Felipe because we get down there every now and then. So don't forget to log on to MySanFelipeVacation.com. Use the discount code MFLA5 and you will get a discount on all your bookings. 26-year-old Andy Seidel knows how to put sepia into a song. He creates memories that may not be yours, but you feel like they could have been. He's a fixture on the Colorado music scene since his days at the University of Colorado in Denver. He's open for stars in all that city's major venues. He's also performed at the, at the uh, Jazz Aspen Snowmass uh, Music Festival. He's been nominated for several awards for his piano playing and his songwriting by the Colorado Blues Society. His fourth album, that's fourth album, 
Reasons for Departure is now out and is filled with richly detailed songwriting and melodies in its own kind of sepia-tinted music tones. Andy, welcome to Music Friday Live. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Well, Andy, I've been listening to this album and the songs from your other albums all week, and uh, uh, sometimes I feel like your songwriting partner is Charlie Brown from Peanuts, right? For for such a successful artist, you seem to be able to evoke a romantic life where things just don't go well. Uh, I hope these songs are about other people and not about you. Uh, I think... I think it's all over the place. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Uh, sometimes I think it's, a, you know, everybody has uh, sad moments and you got to capture that in the moment when you're writing a song, even though maybe you're happy most of the time. I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy most of the time. You sound like a pretty happy guy, but uh, uh, whatever is going on, it makes for great material and uh, you, you do it so well. Uh, let's let our audience listen to one of those uh, CPA songs. In fact, title song, this is Reasons for Departure. Bit off another Monday morning Slid down in my chair Feeling sentimental Gets me every time I think of you Fighting all my reasons To let you in my head Change the locks to my location But you always let yourself back in I don't know the reasons for departure Seems like we almost never do there's a line in there that I kept coming back to. Uh, it's uh, uh, even if I'm just a joke to you. Ooh, that, that really hurts. Do, do people ever cry at your concerts? Uh, well, I, it's happened a couple times, but usually, usually we try to keep them dancing for the most part. We like to keep it upbeat between the sad songs so people can forget about them and have a good time at the show. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I noticed in one of your uh, your your videos, your live videos, you said that you wanted to see people sweat, lots and lots of sweat, and uh, apparently they did because it looked like they were having a great time. Um, and, yeah. and it also looked to me like you love to be on stage. Absolutely, that's my my favorite is performing live. Couldn't couldn't do without it. Uh, it, it it shows. Uh, do you ever get posts from women on your Facebook page noting that they would uh, never think that you're a joke and they love to dance your music? No, that hasn't happened yet, but it would make me feel better if anyone listening can post that on my wall. That would make me feel really good. Okay. All right. Remember that that's a, a line from uh, Reasons for Departure. Uh, there's also another line in there that really struck me. Um, uh, just, just beautiful poetry. And all we are is waiting for a scar. Wow. Um, how did that sort of emerge from your songwriting mind? Well, sort of in, in a bridge, you're always trying to kind of introduce something new or a different idea or, or a solution to the idea. And, you know, the whole, the whole song is sort of 
something that everybody's been through where maybe you're in a, a relationship that you think is going really well and the other person doesn't and you you say hey what where did that come from um and and it's gone just like that and i think that you know all we are waiting for a scar is is you know if you put yourself out there and you're vulnerable it's going to happen at some point to everybody probably more than once um and it's you know it's not supposed to be terribly a, a drab line but just sort of it is it's going to happen to you and and you got to take it for what it is and keep going did did you start writing songs early in life? Yeah, we we had a poetry unit in high school in sophomore junior year English class and uh there was a there was a competition and like the top 10 poems got submitted to some I don't remember what it was. I was not one of the ones picked, but uh but I really wanted to be. I took it very seriously, and I think that was that really motivated me. I said, "Well, you know, I'm going to keep writing and keep doing songs and see what I can do with this." So, when you were writing that that poetry in high school, were you writing it as songs or as poetry? Well, when when the poetry unit was introduced by the teacher, I used it as, as an excuse to start writing songs. I I don't think that's what everyone else was doing, but I I did. <laughs> Okay, good for you, boy. We're we're really glad you did. Uh, well, as you pointed out, that you like to keep people dancing, and not all of your songs are evoke sepia toned memories. There's a a very cinematic song on the album uh, that I want to play, and this is uh, "Directions to the Moon," which is a concept I love. Here it goes. Concept of the song "Directions to the Moon." It kind of brings back here we go to memories again. It brings back memories of my own driving me across the desert with my family uh, at night with all the stars and and Western country Western songs playing on the radio. Um, do you ever cruise the two lane roads in the high deserts under the stars? Oh, all, all the time. We do a decent amount of touring as a band and. Uh, I do a lot of uh I do a lot of driving anyway for my my everyday life. I teach a lot of music lessons and stuff. Um so I feel like I drive a lot more than the average person. I'm always out on the road. Well, the the roads in the high desert 
uh, and I've I've been to some of those roads. Um, uh, yeah, spent a fair amount of time on them. Uh, at night, are really gorgeous. And uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and you really did evoke that memory in me of the country western song coming out of the little tinny radio in the 1956 Ford, uh, driving across the desert at night. So you did a wonderful, wonderful job of that. Uh, oh, people have remarked that. For a very young man, you seem to sing about a lot of experiences that many people don't have until they've accumulated some emotional armor. Or, or did you accumulate that armor quickly, or are you just very good at extracting it from uh, the universe? Um, I think a, a little bit of both. And I think when you're younger and you go through things, they, it seems like a lot bigger deal than maybe – it is as you get older, you know, I, I think certain things that got to me when I was 20 or 21, if they happen now are not a big deal to me anymore um, at, at 26, 27. So um, I think a little bit of both. And, and I think too, everybody feels an array of different emotions. I think it's a matter of when you're in a certain emotion, being able to capture it and write it down. Well, you certainly have done that, and you've compacted a lot of heartbreak and disappointment into a few years, into a few lines. And uh, so I assume that the rest of your your songs are all going to be about life and rainbows and smooth sailing, right? All the, those Uh-oh. were the only two right there. Yep. So there, okay. All right. Uh, there's a couple other lines in there. I don't want to leave. I just got to readjust. Um, is that what life is like for millennials now, just constant readjusting? I think, I think it's sort of a, a, a way of life, um, constantly doing new things. We're, I'm actually very excited about the generation I'm in. A lot of people uh, have have not so great things to say about millennials, but I absolutely love being a millennial, and I'm I'm proud of it, and I'll back it up to anybody. Um, I think we live in a cool time where we have the ability to really do things ourselves, um, and and you can do the nine to five if you want, and great, but also if you want to. Uh, start a company or or be a musician or whatever you can do that and you have the ability to uh, make music videos and do your own branding and do your own social media and I think that's a a cool thing that our generation has Um, and part of what goes with that is you do constantly have to readjust things the world's changing and I think our generation has a special ability to to sense that and change with it as it happens but uh, we certainly, we certainly, there, there's a lot of readjusting for millennials, I'd say. Well, I have to agree with you. I, I have one in, uh, of my own, a daughter, and it's been very interesting to watch her readjust, uh, and she's done so quite successfully. So I, I heartily agree with you. Let me remind our audience that we're talking with Andy Seidow about his new album, Reasons for Departure, and you can talk with him too. You can call in. Three four seven two one five seventy five eleven, or you can email us musicfridaylive at gmail dot com, and we actually have some emails here, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. Uh, why don't we get to them now? Um, we have an uh, email here from Segway in Hollywood. That's an interesting uh, um, handle. Well, and Segway wants to know if you have a regular band. Um, I've got a few guys that that know that know each part um simply because and you know we're just talking about the millennial thing we're all doing a ton of things um everybody's in 20 different bands or or has a day job or whatever so 
I have uh, I have a couple drummers, a couple bass players, and a couple uh, guitar players um, that I play with. And when we go out on the road for a couple weeks, you know, I just see who's available. Um, I would love if I had the same three guys with me every single time, but um, you know, with the nature of everyone playing in their own bands, and I want people to do that. If they have their own project, I'm all about it. And if it conflicts, I want them to go to go do that for sure. So. Um, the, the long answer is it's not the same people every time, but I have a, I have a, a group of guys that I rely on. Okay. Uh, Raleigh in New York city, um, uh, wants to know, and apparently he's looked at your video. Did you draw the art for your video? Oh man, I wish I was that talented. No, uh, I have to give all the credit to Greg Carr, um, who also did the album art, um, he did the music video. He drew about a thousand little pictures and uh, sequenced them all together to make a music video. And, and that was for the, the Reasons for Departure video. Um, and it's re- really amazing what he did. Uh, definitely check it out if you haven't. Absolutely, uh, you should. I've, I've looked at it, too, and it is, it is wonderful. Uh, actually, this is a good opportunity. Tell people where to go to get your music and see the video. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got a, a website, Andy Sido, that's S-Y-D-O-W.com. Um, and right now, right on the front page, before you even enter the site, you can click right to the link to watch the YouTube video um, for Reasons for Departure. Um, and if you go into the site, there's links to all my socials, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Spotify, all that good stuff. And we also have a Shows tab. Uh, we're about to hit the road for a couple of weeks, so you can see if we're uh, coming to a place near you. Actually, if I recall, you're going to be doing uh, the upper Midwest, and you're also going into Canada. Is that right? Yeah, we're uh, in a little over a week. We're heading up to Saskatoon and Edmonton. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Um, we have uh, an email here from um, Nyante, and pardon me if I'm not pronouncing it right, Nyante. Uh, Nyante in Atlanta, and Nyante wants to know, what's the music scene like in Denver, Colorado? The music scene in Denver is awesome. Uh, it's, you know, a, a lot of people are moving to Denver, um, and it certainly makes the rush hour a little worse, but it's also making the scene better. Um, there's really a ton of different genres. There's a great community for songwriters. There's a, a large blues community, um, rock and roll. There's a metal scene. Um, so it's cool. There's I think because a, a lot of us are, a lot of Coloradans are transplants from other places. Uh, we have a, a wide array of different musical genres, and uh, there's new venues opening up every week. So it's a great spot for sure. All right. Well, Nayate, next time you visit your friends in, in Denver, check out the music. Um, Haley in Austin said, uh, writes, uh, you mentioned the same three guys. Do you ever team up with women? And I assume that Haley um, means singing. You know, I've had I've had some gals sing some backup vocals on record, and I did uh, have a chick bass player for a little bit. I haven't recently for no no particular reason um it just uh yeah the the group of folks i'm working with right now all happen to be smelly dudes but i wouldn't <laughs> mind some feminine energy in the band <laughs> okay all right um and finally uh blender in salt lake writes are you going to stop here we're on your way oh oh in salt lake you know we we've done the hog wallow several times in the past 
um, but we weren't able to work it out this time. But we love coming to Salt Lake, and hopefully we'll be able to schedule something there later this summer. Okay, Blender. So uh, you should go to the website and uh, sign up. For, I get, do you have a newsletter on your website? Um, I, I have uh, an email list you can sign up for, and I send out uh, updates uh, when we're coming near you. Okay, so Blender, you should go to the website, sign up for the email in, uh, updates, and uh, when he's in uh, Salt Lake, you should be there front and center, waving and screaming and having a great time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. You know, something else uh, about you that is very interesting is that um, you've developed great chops on two very different instruments, the piano which we heard a little bit on the title track and the guitar and especially the electric guitar. So which came first? Well, I started off um, taking piano lessons when I was very young um, and did that up, up through high school. And I majored in that in college. I majored in jazz piano and I got really into, um, you know, boogie woogie and stuff live show. That's maybe sort of unexpected to the audience as we throw some boogie woogie piano in there. Um, and then when I got to college, um, or I guess later years in high school, when I was writing songs, I wasn't able to write lyrics on piano for some reason at first. I needed the guitar, and I don't know if it was the the simplicity of only knowing a couple chords on the guitar at the time that was helping me write songs, but I sort of turned to the guitar to uh, to write. And then in college, I as I was majoring in piano, I took all the guitar classes as well, just on the side. Um, and I also, you know, I, the people that I, that I love and admire, you know, Jackie Green and Jason Isbell and Andrews Osborne and a lot of guys like that, they yeah. take their own solos. And I think that's so cool to be able to craft a song and then, and then rip a solo over it. And so that's something that's always drawn me since I was young. Um, so when I played, started playing guitar, I said, man, I want to, I want to really play it. I want to be able to take solos and have fun with it and stuff. You do pretty well. Um, you know, you mentioned Boogie Woogie, and I, 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 I've seen videos of you playing Boogie Woogie. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Donya Oxford, who's also known as the Queen of Boogie Woogie, tells me that Boogie is Boogie Woogie is, is the hardest kind of non-classical piano uh, to play. And uh, did, did you set out specifically to learn how to play it, or did you just decide that you needed to? And how long did it take you to learn it? I think I, I, I first saw this uh, pianist called uh, named Henry Butler um, out of New Orleans, and it was right after Katrina. So I was probably, a, I think I was a freshman in high school, and he moved to Boulder because of after the hurricane. Um, and I saw him play once, and it was weird. I, I saw him play out on the street a couple times. I saw him play at the Boulder Theater to a sold-out crowd once, and I just remember thinking, man, Whatever that guy's doing, that is cool. And I do, I do not have any anywhere near Henry Butler chops, but um, it you know I, I just started that was sort of opened the door, and I started looking for other guys like that who were doing those things, and it was just something I wanted to do. So I, I sort of set out to learn some left hand patterns and learn some right hand licks and and learn how to play it. Well, you do pretty darn well. But I want to get back to the guitar a little bit now with another song, and this is uh, Hearts Go On. Hearts go on, 
Remember when she got you late After the high school game Cause you didn't wanna be alone She stopped giving the time of day Makes you wonder what you could have done Didn't seem to take much time Till she found another guy Maybe he'll get it the same as you Cause it's new Then it's gone Then it's angry Then it's calm After the love is gone Hearts go on Those lines, because it's new, then it's gone, then it's angry, then it's calm, and after the love is gone, hearts go on. Um, you know, let, you make a great point in that. Uh, the, we all go on regardless, and, and with that song, you can also slow dance to it. So I just wondered if people get up and slow dance to that song in your concerts. They do, and actually it was we, I was talking about it with the band the other day because we had our CD release show last Friday, um, and the crowd was so upbeat, and sometimes you like to hit them with a slow tune, but I I was sensing it like we can't slow things down, but that was the next song in the set, so we sped it way up to see what would happen, and uh, they all kept dancing. So it it uh, I think it works fast and slow, but they do they do slow dance for sure. <laughs> now let me ask you that. Um, when you have a set list like that and you, you've rehearsed and you practice and the whole band knows the song and then you intuitively figure, wait a minute, we got to up the tempo here. How do you get everybody on the same page to do that while you're standing there live in front of the audience? Well, the, you know, a lot of the guys have played with me enough to know that it's, that it's going to happen. Um, I, I like to call it a Peyton Manning set list. So we write a set list, but um, call audibles all the time. And that's just, intuitive with all of us it's not just me we we sense where the audience is at and and what needs to happen uh next to entertain them do we need a slow song do we need to speed up this song do we need to skip a song and come back to it later um so i love having a set list to have a general idea of what to do but um i think once we get going it's you know after you play the first three or four songs you just vibe off the crowd and um you know, sometimes I'll just start it faster or the drummer will start it faster and we'll go with it or, you know, we'll quickly communicate. But um, I think it's so important to to do it for the audience and feel where they're at because you're all having that same experience together. So so uh, you, you have that intuition and you, you kind of turn around to the drummer and you say, we got to move this one up to 120 from uh, from 80. And, and he says, sure. And you're off and running. Is that how it works? Well. I don't know my BPMs that well. I think I just turn around and say, get ready. It's going to be fast. (laughs) (laughs) And you let him figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, that works. No, that works. All right. Uh, You know, I was thinking your, your career date um, to date has been a bit circuitous. Um, Several residencies, you did dueling pianos for a while. You're, you're, you teach music as a day job and you managed to put out four albums um, are you sort of getting ready to move up to a national tour? That's that's the hope. I think, you know, honestly, I think I could write a, a book called How Not to Go on Tour, and, and I might do that someday. Um, 
I've, I've, I've tried a lot of different things, and I think what we've been finding that's starting to work is picking a market or a couple markets, just hitting that over and over, and then trying to expand out from there. Um, you know, so I, I would like to get to a point where we have several different anchors and we can use that to expand out to a, a greater part of the country. Well, you, you know, you mentioned uh, writing a book. My 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 friend Shelley uh, Pikin, who's a songwriter, wrote a book, uh, Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, and did an audio version of it and got nominated for a Grammy for the audio version. So, you know, there's all kinds oh. of ways to, to, to get there. You should check that one out. So uh, she's got a couple of uh, Grammys and things. Um, you mentioned awesome. your audience, I'll check that out. Uh, your, your market. Well, well, who is your market? In terms of uh, demographics? Yeah. Um, you know, I think starting to figure out when I was first coming up as a teenager in early 20s, I was playing strictly in the blues scene, um, but not really playing strictly blues music. Um, and now it's come quite a ways from that. So I'm, I, I think it's it's been trying to figure that out. Um, I think in a lot of ways I have an older audience that still comes out to the show, but I know it can appeal to a younger audience too. So we're really trying to figure out who likes it, who's listening, and how can we how can we get to those people. But for me to say I have it 100% figured out would be a would be a lie. I'm and I'm always trying to figure out who exactly is the demographic. Um, and I think this record is the best representation of of really what we sound like and, and my songwriting style. Um, I think it's been a lot of evolving up to this point. So I think, you know, record's been out a week. We're going to, we're going to find out real quick who the, who the basic demographic is. Okay. Well, unfortunately our basic demographic is about to leave. We're out of time. So I'm going to have to say thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks Patrick for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. I sure appreciate it. You've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from CyberStation USA, Blog Talk Radio, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page and follow our Twitter feeds. Get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartleman. We're going to be in Mexico at the Theme Pro Music Convention in Guadalajara. We return to the air June 15th with the Marias and Huila Milanta. In the meantime, you will be treated to Classic Music Friday live shows. So go to blogtalkradio.com Music Friday and satisfy your addiction to Music Friday Live. And we're going to leave you with uh, Lonely Love by our guest Andy Seidow. You can check him out at www.andysidow.com. That's S-Y-D-O-W. Don't go. Cameo Entertainment Group and Cyberstation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio. 